Welcome everybody back to Be Kind Rewind. My name is Gabe. I'm Logan. And I'm Kyle. And we are talking about the movies that came out in the year 2005, a.k.a. the year that I graduated high school. Mm. That's right. I graduated high school. (laughs) How dare you, sir? How dare I? It was a cough, honest. (laughs) Um, And so, um, this was a... This was honestly an okay year for movies, in my opinion. Um, 2004 was such a just a top of the mountain kind of year. Uh, 2005 had a lot of good movies. Don't get me wrong, but um, as far was, as great movies go, it was a little top yeah, heavy. You know, very much there, so. Yeah, was, I think that's what we were kind of saying earlier. Yeah. Like our top fives are strong, strong. Steep. And then you get in the bottom five, and you're like, well, this wouldn't have made it any other year, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. A uh, couple movies that uh, came out this year. Um, oh boy, where'd it go? Um, I'm just going to briefly touch on this because I was just mentioning it and uh, just wanted to get it out of the way here. St. Ralph, it's a movie that uh, not a lot of you have probably even heard of. It's about this kid from Canada. Uh, and I can say kid because he's probably all of 12 years old. And he... Uh, that is a kid. Yes. It is a kid. And he goes to a Catholic school and he's kind of being scolded his whole life. And he decides to start running. He ends up uh, being inspired to run the Boston Marathon. What? How does he do that? How does he qualify to run the Boston Marathon? Well, you got to watch the movie and find out. The Boston Marathon? Uh, Played by Canadian. eh? And so it's a very uplifting uh, movie. Um, It'll definitely get you inspired to run. Um, And we all know we could all use a little bit more running in our lives. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to briefly mention that. I noticed that you guys have other movies that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, 2005 was probably, and I, I know I'll probably take some heat for this one, but uh, I would say this was the year that Ridley Scott last directed a good movie. How dare you, sir? I know. This was a long time ago now. This was, what, 12, 12 13 years, years ago, ago yeah. now? Um, and he directed Kingdom of Heaven, which I actually liked more than Gladiator. I thought it was a better, more complete movie, told a more cohesive story, granted... It starred Orlando Bloom, which is a big problem with it, but otherwise it was a very good film uh, about the Crusades, and you know, strong movie, good movie, and then he went on to make garbage for the last I 12 years. I completely disagree, because there's a, a movie that came out uh, oh, about four years ago, three years ago, that uh, changed the game, as they say. Mm, false. It the was space bad. space game. Oh, yeah, that one also was bad. No, it wasn't. It, it, you, I don't care if you're talking about Prometheus or The Martian. They were both bad. I'm talking bad. about The Martian. It was bad. It was, uh, no. Oh, no. We, we, we can <laughs> no, get to no, this no. argument that year. Anyway, 2005, last good Ridley Scott movie, Mark Martin. False. Oh, false. Oh, sorry. That was a cough. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be a cough going around this room here. Um, <laughs> one, one that I had on my list, uh, just to very briefly mention, because it's actually been a while since I even watched it, uh, it was a a fictionalized version of the the real story of the zephyr skateboarding and surf shop and that was lords of dogtown mm-hmm. yeah uh, we were just talking last episode about emile hirsch yes, not we doing much and he's one of the leads in this. Heath, this was a heath ledger movie too. and the, yep, yeah heath ledger is the the owner of the shop and a fantastic weird performance like i'd one, one of those weird eclectic performances yeah. from heath ledger like pre-joker mm-hmm. Here's our entry for you now. Here, where's our trophy? Yeah, remember that from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, it looked uh, like a fun movie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like it doesn't crack my top ten, but it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun and definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for those two performances alone. Some 
Oh, go ahead. Go something ahead. else that real quick. Uh, something else that came out in 2005 that we can just briefly talk about, and then not have to talk about this franchise for a good uh, oh <laughs> eight nine years. Um, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith came out. Yep. Uh, don't and, think that um, made any of our top ten lists. I don't nope. think so. And um, a lot. So okay. So a lot of people say the uh, original or the prequels were absolute trash and then are not making anybody's top ten. But a lot of people actually say that um, out of those three movies, the Revenge of the Sith. Sith would be their favorite. I think they're wrong um, because just because PG-13, just because they go a little bit darker, doesn't make it a good movie. Um, The case in point was the (laughs) volcano scene where with uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi where they're fighting um, well about five feet away from lava and then the cheesiest kind of um, transformation into Darth Vader happens right before your eyes. Yes, screenwriting uh, was not Lucas's strong suit, but no. I, I would agree that this was the least terrible of the three. Uh, yeah. no, I would say. I mean, Attack respectively, was fun. Sure, respectively, episode one oh. because of the duel, of the fates, and the pod racing scene. Um, mm, see, I only see one of those as a pro. <laughs> yeah, well. it it has two tent poles for episode one that are good, mm-hmm. but yeah, not the rest is not good. But but in my opinion, um not a redeeming quality about revenge of the sith fair and i mean yeah yeah and so there's that um what were you gonna say well no so uh 2005 has one of the movies that i like the most that probably is the least deserving of it okay um doesn't make my top 10 because i'm aware this is not actually a good movie four brothers with mark Wahlberg and tyrese tyrese um it has an early uh chuetel who is fantastic, um, and he's actually in one of my top ten movies this year. Um, and I absolutely love him. And it is, it, it, it's is—it's—it's—it's a simple premise. It's actually cribbed from an old John Wayne Western, um, unofficially. Um, and it's about, you know, a, a woman who is murdered um, in what may or may not be a simple robbery. Uh, spoiler Yikes. alert, it's not. Um, and Whoa. her four sons, four adopted sons, uh, come back to town. Uh, well, one of them still lives there, but three of them come back to town because of this to you know look into it pay yeah. their respects and then see what's going on it's a pretty straightforward action revenge movie um and it's just it, it it lives and dies on the dynamics of the four brothers um their interplay with each other which is just it, it's fantastic and and familial and it just it, it works and i have three brothers of my own and so i like this movie far more than it deserves but i probably watch it once a year and uh, yeah if you have Three brothers, watch this movie and you'll like it. Okay, you will. You will like it. You will sit there and you will like it. Uh, another movie that came out. Um, this was a documentary. Um, technically, it was called The Aristocrats. Didn't quite make my top ten. Didn't even come close. Actually, uh, it's a movie about. It's a documentary uh, it's about a documentary. Well, yeah, is that the right word? Yeah, yeah technically it is. It's more like. It's about the history of the joke. I, yeah. so, all right. It's a, so it's about a history of a joke called the Aristocrats, and it's a joke that uh, comedians tell amongst each other, and it's not that funny of a joke. Uh, it's really it's, not. So they they made a whole movie documentary about it, and it's just basically the going from one comedian to the next, uh, trying to outdo the next person, and it's yeah, it works fine as a as a documentary, but uh, again, it's not that funny of a joke, so it's in my opinion not that necessary of a movie to begin with yeah like funny enough at this point um that i think that premise would have worked actually a lot better as like a youtube series sure where you'd get 
a two or three comedians yeah. each telling each, each their episode, version yeah. of the of the joke and then yeah each episode and then going forward yeah but that wasn't feasible at this point because it was i was YouTube gonna say youtube was just was, in its infancy just a baby yeah they were both going for the same thing on their infancy and babies yeah um what did you want to talk about Kyle? uh one of mine that i wanted to mention a movie that i feel gets undeserved hate because it's not a bad movie yeah it's not a bad movie but it's just an interesting portrayal of the character and that is constantine yeah like i think Another shia it, labeouf being a sidekick movie mm-hmm. yeah we ignore that though <laughs> um he's actually not that bad but like Chance. keanu reeves actually puts on a fairly good performance well, here's, here's the interesting reeves, thing yeah. i feel about constantine the way i feel about hellboy in that it's wrong it's not the comic it is so yeah. different but it's good yep it is it is a good interesting movie and it, it's so opposite that you just almost have to go okay this is something different yeah they take this this you know blonde british you know messed up character and they make him black-haired and american and keanu reeves yeah. and but it's it's just it's 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 gritty and yeah, dark very, and very twisted, gritty and, and francis like, lawrence directs the hell out of it it's like it gets the the supernatural tone one that you want from a Constantine style story, but it just the character feels off. Yeah, but really good things about it. Uh, yeah. It's Tom Wilkinson, right, as the devil. Yeah, Tom Wilkinson is the devil, and it's, you've got um, as Gabriel uh, Tilda, Tilda, Swinton yes, Tilda Swinton as Gabriel, who's fantastic. which is oh, such a yeah. good performance. Um, for kind of forgettably, it has Rachel Wise. Yeah, who's like not in it. Yeah, as, she's like the supporting protagonist. Yeah. I guess is what you would call her. Which um, it's which is weird in a Constantine story because he's kind of such a loner. Or yes points. and no. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, at uh, points. But I think for a first story, you'd want him to be by himself. Yeah, I I, I would think so, and I I always yeah. I keep hoping that they're going to get Constantine and do it right. And, yep. you know, this wasn't it, but it was good. The yeah. TV show wasn't it, and it wasn't good. There was a TV show? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, crap. I forgot about that. Um, but, no, this is this is an yeah, undeservingly forgotten movie. It's, it's yep. quite good. Quite good. Um, also, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out this year. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do we want to argue about that? or Argue about how good it is i liked it i so i'm a big fan of the roald Dahl book okay which means i hate the gene wilder movie which oh. is everybody's childhood favorite yeah so you know i fought right. with a lot of people about that um you're gonna some pretty heated arguments yeah no i i have because i'm also if you don't know not shy about my opinions which no. has gotten me in trouble with uh friends in the past regarding this movie oh wow um, but i like the you know johnny depp tim burton version um don't love it it's very Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Yeah, um, that's, they have, that's my problem. They have a ceiling that. to how high they can go for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it hits that ceiling. It's like, okay, this is good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I didn't like it, but I'm not going to fight you for it. I respect your opinion, man. Um, but uh, it's wrong. And um, another movie that came out that I just want to briefly talk about... Um, I really liked this movie. Did not crack my top ten, but it was uh, very funny. But it was also very um, kind of uh, bordering on the on the border of offensive. The Ringer is with Johnny <laughs> Knoxville, and uh, before everybody knew how awful of a act or a 
uh, I don't want to say person, but Catherine Heigl is also in this movie, and she's had reports about how difficult she is to work with. Um, and so, uh, basically, Johnny Knoxville plays a guy who needs money quick, and he, um, and, and so he realizes that it used, he used to be a uh, track star in uh, in high school, and so he realizes that he can use that to his his advantage. And so he ends up signing up for the Special Olympics and uh, disguising himself as a person with mental handicap. And he quickly realizes that all these um, handicapped people are actually legitimate athletes themselves. And he it's not as easy of a feat that he originally thought it was going to be. So um, it turned out to be a very sweet movie uh, and uh, a very funny movie at times and at other times offensive. But... Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen The Ringer, I doubt a lot of people have, but uh, at least give it a shot if you're willing to. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, a few other notables before we dive into the top ten. Uh, mm. War of the Worlds was this year, the Steven Spielberg sure. version of that movie, uh, or of that H.G. Uh, Wells book, which I, I quite enjoyed. I thought it was good. Um, it had some weird stuff to it. Tim Robbins' character was kind of odd. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. It was not as good Steven Spielberg science fiction as Minority Report. Which came out, you know, a couple of years back. Yeah. But, uh, but it was it was good. Um, also, this year we had um, Millions, which was you know early Danny Boyle, right when he's you know kind of in between some of his better projects. He did a kids movie. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, based on a kids book uh, by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Um, yeah, because <laughs> it was yeah because it was his it was basically one of his movies between. Uh, train spotting and yeah well i think he did 28 days later before and sunshine after yep um if i'm getting my years right um, and then million dollar baby and then winning or uh <laughs> slumdog millionaire, slumdog millionaire. um so that was this year a couple of good comedies came out this year i enjoyed hitch a lot um yeah. i actually really like just like heaven uh back to mark ruffalo and also reese witherspoon your boy mark ruffalo uh, i have a lot of boys it seems uh, you got last a episode it was joaquin phoenix yep um, and then one other that I know Kyle and I want to talk about that is not in our top tens, but is worth touching on is Red Eye um, from Wes yeah. Craven. Yeah, Wes Craven, uh, one of his his last movie before Scream Four, right? If I remember correctly, I think that's right. Yeah, and Killian Murphy as mm-hmm. a terrifying character. Um, Rachel well, again, McAdams. I, Gabe, I know you're you're a fan of movies that take place over one day. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I've seen it. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, you know, Rachel McAdams, you know, gets on a plane, yeah. Killian Murphy is sitting next to her, and the, the gist of it is, he needs her to change a hotel room for the hotel she works for, so they can kill a person. Yeah. And yeah. that that is that is the central premise, and as, as you were saying, Killian Murphy is terrifying. Yeah, he's terrifying, because this is, I mean, it's the same year as Batman Begins, and so it was like, okay, who is this actor? Yeah. And, like, I want to see what he can do moving forward. Yeah, well, I, I loved him going in from 28 Days yeah. Later, which was I, I don't think I'd and... seen 28 Days Later at that point. Yeah, yeah. he's just, he's, he's, he's terrific. And it's, it's not a great movie. It kind of falls apart at the end. Yeah. Um, but for the first, I would say for the first hour, it's terrific. Well, because for and... the first hour, it's, it's very suspenseful. It, it well, is. Like it it's, is. It's, it's that it's, Wes Craven. Well, and you're on a plane. It's kind of a bottle story. It starts yep. in an airport. Yeah, I like Then that. it puts you on the plane. And the whole time you're on the plane, it's really good. Mm. And then when they land and it kind of opens back up again, it falls apart. Yeah. Um, sure. But still worth seeking out and watching for some of the performances. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's a very, it's kind of an odd movie for Wes Craven to make. Yeah. Um, but he does a, he, he handles it pretty well. Yeah. But with, with Wes Craven, you have those memorable visuals of 
like getting stabbed in the throat with a pen and then basically yep spoilers somebody gets stabbed in the throat doing their own tracheotomy but what kind of a pen was it clicky top or twisty bottom you'll have to watch it to find out yeah also it's 2005 so they haven't watched it yet (laughs) yeah suckers Um, go see it um, I, I didn't mean to interrupt because I didn't really have anything to contribute. <laughs> well, I mean, unless there are, is there anything else that uh, yeah. you'd like to talk well, about was... before we dive into the 10 best movies of 2005? I was going to mention, oh, holy crap, I don't know how I missed this one. Uh, I was going to talk about Fun of Dick and Jane, but I'm going to um, pull an audible because that movie doesn't really need to be talked about. No, because um, it, it was not that fun. Well, you know, it, was, uh, it had moments, um, but uh, it shouldn't have been hated as much as, as people hated it. Uh, we talked about enough good Jim Carrey yes. on the last episode that we don't need to get into bad Jim Carrey. We don't need to relive those memories. Um, this just cr- uh, barely missed my top ten. Uh, I don't, and I apologize if it's on your guys' top ten. I don't think it is. Uh, just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart, and um, it's uh, a, also a very young Anna, Ken- Anna Kendrick, um, Anna, Anna, Anna Ferris. Ferris. Yep, Anna Ferris, and uh, it's very fun. It's uh, a Christmas movie, um, and uh, it's 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 charming. I've this movie came out um, and was on HBO around the same time that I had HBO back in college, and I remember watching this movie every single time it was on. So I've probably seen this movie about twenty or twenty five times, uh, and I can. Uh, recite entire scenes if I wanted to. Uh, I will say one of my favorite lines from that movie is uh, towards the end when a very drunken uh, Ryan Reynolds is kind of down and out in his luck. He has to take the bus out of the small town, New Jersey town that he was in the whole movie. And uh, and uh, he is um, kind of complaining about how life has been to him for the, whole, for the past couple days and he's talking to this guy next to him. And uh, they're both sitting at the bus stop, and uh, and Brian Reynolds is just like, dude, like, there's no cabs out, or there's no planes out of this town, so I gotta take the bus. And then the guy that he's talking to very drunkenly leans over and goes, dude, the bus sucks. And I remember loving that line because back in uh, college, I went to school in Bemidji, and uh, every time that I had that I went uh, back home, I would have to take the bus. And every time that I took the bus, I realized the bus sucks. So that line really stood out for me. And uh, it's just a really fun Christmas movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's got some good performances. And it's got uh, Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. And you can't really mess that up in a movie because he's pretty. Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. okay. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was just calling. Uh, let's just dive into our top tens here. Uh, I'm gonna go my number ten, uh, the Family Stone. That is an um, ensemble cast, uh, and it's about this uh, family that gets together at towards the holidays and um, Thanksgiving, I believe. I, I was gonna say Christmas, but I I knew that was wrong. So um, I, yeah, I believe it was Thanksgiving. It's a very um quiet movie um and a, um. But it's it's got such great performances, um, and uh, it's got Luke Wilson um, for all the people who like Luke Wilson. It's got Craig T. Nelson yeah. um, post mm-hmm. Incredibles, and um, uh, there's a f- oh uh, Claire Danes is in this, and she's fantastic and everything yeah, she's that she's actually in. Fantastic. Well, also, I mean Rachel McAdams too. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. Oh, yes, the other, there you go. And Diane Keaton is the matriarch of the yes. family. And, oh, her character is so great. Yeah. And uh, uh, some sad stuff happens during this movie, and it's just basically about this family um, dealing with it and 
there are all these different personalities um, dealing with this one uh, this one major story, and uh, it's uh, it's really touching and heartwarming. Uh, and uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. That's my recommendation. Now, what do you got for number ten, Kyle? Uh, my number ten. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. Okay, and love it. So uh, it is uh, the remake uh, of the producers. Okay. which is the, this time it's the adaptation of the Mel Brooks folks musical. Okay. Um, I'd seen the original film and the original film is a classic. It's fantastic. But at the point of this movie, I hadn't seen the stage play. Okay. Yet. You've seen it since I have. That's, a, that's awesome. Um, Cause the, the college I went to for our, um, the year what? I graduated college the kind of summer uh, series is was the producers. Uh, That's awesome. Which, um, yeah, with all local cast, obviously. But sure, but still, that's awesome. And this movie itself is very good, but you kind of miss out on Max, the main characters. Uh, you you miss out on his point of view a little bit. He's a little <laughs> crass, mm-hmm. but. And this is, it's a fantastic story, and I, I like it a lot, but the stage play is so much better because it has one more song in it that, okay. they, that they cut because of the MPAA ratings. Damn you, MPAA. Wasn't this me, uh, movie like PG-13? It was PG-13, but in PG-13, you can only have one mm. F-bomb. Yes. And, but the caveat is it can't be sexual in nature. It right. can only be as an exclamation. Right. Whereas in the song, uh, King of Old Broadway, which is Max talking about how he used to be this big deal mm-hmm. on Broadway. and Is Max uh, Matthew Broderick? Ma- or, okay. uh, Math is, uh, Ma- uh, yeah, I should say it's Nathan Lane okay. in As Max and okay. Leo uh, Matthew Broderick. They have fantastic chemistry with each other because they've been doing the play together for years. Right. At that point, um, Uma Thurman as kind of the sexy shill yeah. and a lot of fun there. Um, but yeah, uh, King of Old Broadway contains a line of, you know, who do I have to bleep okay. deep in this town to get ahead? Gotcha. They cut that line because it was sexual in nature. Oh boy. But that song is the heart of Max's backstory. Yeah. It in one song tells you all you need to know about him and why he's as crass as he is. I was going to say they couldn't have changed the line no, either because it would it's would have taken away from his character. Yeah, it would have taken away from his character. Um so when I saw the stage play I was like, "Oh, this is why Max is like this." Mm-hmm. And it also helped that a friend of mine was playing Max at the time, so I'm like, oh, now I connect. Awesome. Next with, was it Shane? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Uh, no, our, our friend uh, Paul Vanasek, who deserves a shout out because he was fantastic. Shout out to Paul. Um, but yeah, that was my number nine, and it's still a very good movie. But or number ten, sorry, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, uh, but still a very good movie. But Will Ferrell was play. in it. Will Ferrell is the yes, Nazi. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a ridiculous movie. It's still a lot of fun, but yeah. just literally go at the beginning. If you have the DVD, go to the deleted scenes, watch King of Old it's Broadway. Okay, good. Because like they filmed it and then they realized, like, ah, oh, 
can't oh. have that. So watch that and then start the movies. Oh, F. We can't yeah. say the F word. Yep. <laughs> so, but then what's your guys' number 10, uh, So, Logan? and I'm only going to touch on this briefly because it's higher up on your list, but my number 10 is Serenity, which is, of course, the, the film um, set in the Firefly universe from Joss Whedon after the show was canceled. Uh, there was enough of a fan outcry to get a movie. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite good. It was about as good as I could expect in terms of getting one film one shot to wrap up what really probably would have been multiple seasons of yeah. story um, and I, I don't know if it's really deserving of being in the top 10 or not um, it, it also has some issues I, I think it is but there's also a strong emotional attachment for me yes because at that point you know the, the show had been off the air for a while and th- this was it this was they were all coming back all these characters that you were deeply involved with who you hadn't got to find out how they ended up um, and so, really, that kind of smoothed over any any issues that I had with the movie. Um, yeah, and the the cool backstory that I think it was the one of the last days on set, uh, Alan Tudyk stole the red button and the callback button, mm-hmm. and uh, when he found out the movie had gotten greenlit, he sent the button to Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> He's like you're calling us all back. That's awesome. So that's that's my number ten. We'll we'll get to it, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about it yeah. a little later on. Um, and then my number nine, same deal. I know it's higher up on your list, and that's Brick, um, starring JGL. First big film from Ryan Johnson, I want to say. Yeah, first big film um, from first, Ryan you know, Johnson. Film that got any kind of a, a big release or anything, and got any kind of notoriety. Yeah. Um, that had yeah Joseph Gordon Levitt in it. Um, we'll we'll get to more yeah, on that we'll, later. We'll get but to, uh, that very is, very good film. Yeah, it's higher, way higher on my list. Good call. Uh, my number nine. Uh, let me Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. to the Galaxy. It's also on your list. I'll just briefly talk about it. Um, I not a lot of people loved this movie, but I, me and Kyle actually did. Um, it was uh, it came out the year that I graduated, and so before this kind of had a special um, attachment to me because uh, in my senior year I had a lot of downtime because. Um, we just did, we had a, a whole period where we just did nothing. We sat in a room and hung out until the next period. And so um, my English teacher actually, um, like a couple months before Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy came out, um, we had a conversation about it, and uh, I told him that I never read the book. And he looked me in the eyes like, "This is your kind of book. Like it's your humor, it's your writing style." Because he, um, my, my English teacher growing up, Mr. Ferris, he was very supportive of my writing, and I've uh, since kind of let him down because I haven't really done a lot of writing lately. But he um, did want to let me know that uh, just hey, Chuggers Got of the Galaxy is my kind of sto- my kind of stuff. And so he actually lent me his copy of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, uh, four official books at the time, and uh, one side story about Zaphod Beeblebrox. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I read the first book, and before the movie came out, loved every every second. Of it. I loved the style, of the writing, and all that. And actually, that did, in my opinion, translate to the screen pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a few scenes in there that were thrown in, and there were a few scenes that, or parts of the book that weren't in there. Um, but I can forgive it because, for the most part, it stayed true to the nature of the book. Uh, I loved Martin Freeman's performance of Arthur Dent. I loved, I loved most Def as uh, as Ford Prefect. Uh, I the entire time reading the book, I knew that most Def was that character, so I always imagined okay. Ford to uh, be that kind that kind of style. And um, and so. Um, uh, kind of a little tidbit is that when when I read the first book, 
I gave the book back to Mr. Ferris and said, I loved it, and uh, thanks for letting me read it. And he said, did you read the other books? And I said, well, no, but this, but, but at this time it was already like a week until graduation. And so he's, and so he handed it back to me and he said, um, I don't care when you get this back to me, um, but you should read the other books and you'll, you'll love them just the same. And so I took it back and I read the second. Ten years on, you've never given I it back. I was just going to say it's still sitting in ah! my bedroom. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Ferris. Uh, I didn't mean to steal your property, but, yeah. um, the year after I, the year after I um, was at uh, Bemidji, I was going to come back and uh, find Mr. Ferris and uh, and personally deliver his book back, but that never happened. So I uh, kind of accumulated one of the greatest books, in my opinion. And, uh, and so, so what you're I'll saying always... is we need a Be Kind to Ryan road trip. All of us go give it back. Exactly. <laughs> but even though Mr. Ferris is still local, I believe. Um, but it's so hard to get a hold of teachers these days because they move around so much. So And I... I don't know if he's still teaching. I yeah. hope he is. Um, but then you you also had, because we can just touch on it now since mm-hmm. uh, it's higher on my list, but we'll just mention it then. But yeah, you also have Sam Rockwell and yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Uh, Alan. She, she was probably my biggest problem with it. I, she did not work for me. Okay. At all. I politely disagree um, no you're you're, I, you're allowed it's both in your top tens yeah i love the books unabashedly especially yeah. the first one and the movie had good things about it but did not land for me yeah. at all that's, uh, that's fair my highlight by far of the movie though was alan rickman as yeah uh, the robot rest in power alan yeah. rickman um as the voice the of stephen Mark. fry yeah yeah who was so. he again uh he was he was he uh, didn't he do narration yes yeah, yes, he, yes he was yes. the narrator yep. yeah good call Loved it. Um, but yeah, so that was your number nine. Number nine. Uh, so I guess we're on to my number nine, which was, uh, I'll just mention it because I know it's higher on Logan's list, uh, Walk the Line. I mean, it's my number eight. Let's get into it now. Yeah, let's, let's get do into it. it. And that's my number five, so let's get into it now. Let's do it. Let's do it to it. So yeah, Walk the Line, uh, the Johnny Cash biopic uh, starring your boy, Walking well, I thought Green. thought was my boy. My bo- Yours is John Travolta. Mine's oh, Joaquin right. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah I, I get okay. I get Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, um, directed by James Mangold. And yep. I feel like this was his big, whoa, who is this director yep. movie? It was, because this was, yeah, even before 310 to Yuma and, yep. three, and before Logan. And really, obviously. I mean, it's still, I would say it's his best film. Yeah, I think as a as a solid, like, full film. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's moments in some of his other work that it's like, oh, wow, yeah. that was interesting. But, yeah. But this, a, is, this is complete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, very impressive that it was all Joaquin Phoenix's real singing voice. Well, same with Reese Witherspoon, right, yeah, um, exactly. who was also in it and sings she amazingly She won the well. Oscar, correct? Yep, she I won Best right Foreign so. Actress for, yep, for this role. Oh, um, yeah, yeah she, fan, like amazing performance. Mm-hmm. And, he didn't uh, win for Best Actor. He was he? nominated, but he yeah. did not win. I can't remember who won that year, but I, I can't remember. Yeah. Either. But uh, Great movie. But yeah, we we had a lot. Like I grew up in the city. I grew up had a country music festival. Well, so country yes. music has we yes, we fest. The less said about it, the better. <laughs> um, but so country music was always uh, influenced in yeah. my younger days. So there was a lot of Johnny Cash Johnny being Cash. played. So part of that was why. Is this so high on my list? Yeah, well, and it does. It does a difficult thing too because it tells a very large story. Because I mean, yeah. it starts with him as a kid, um, and it ends with 
San Quentin, I want to say, or, or thereabouts. I think so. Yeah, it's about um, San Quentin, about, yeah. And so, you know, it spans, you know, decades upon decades, which is really hard to do well. Um, and it, it does it, you know, fairly seamlessly, I would say. Did Johnny Cash die around this time that this movie came out, too? Uh, I want to uh, say just so. After, yeah, just after. after. Okay. Um, so I remember they came out with that movie, uh, that uh, song Hurt, which was a remake by uh, Trent Reznor. And uh, uh, I don't remember if that movie, that song came out at the same time that Walk the Line did. Either way. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's uh, my eight, Kyle's nine. My five. Yep. It, we're, it's done. We checked off the list. Yep, we're yep. never speaking of this movie again. Ever again. So what do you got for number eight? For me, uh, this was Serenity. Okay. Yep. Um, like, gee, wonder how I knew those random <laughs> trivia bits about Serenity earlier. Um, yeah, I love this movie. It's actually one of my uh, a weird memory I've got about this movie is actually right after seeing it, uh, it was one of the conversations that I had with uh, one of the first conversations I had with my film professor, Rusty, uh, about this movie. Um, cause I, I even then like, cause it was my first, it was my history of film class that I took and I was talking to him about it and just like, there was so much backstory and like, you could tell those elements were there of a good sci-fi movie. Like it wasn't gonna, you know, be Oscar worthy. Well, I think, I think else, the, the problem with it, you know, if it had a problem, um, was that, he had to take so much material and and cut out anything unessential to fit it into yep. one movie. To fit it in, yep. Um, and certain parts of it, I think, you know, some of the elements there were there was a character, uh, Mr. World, um, who was you know integral yep. to the plot. And in the context of the movie, he was very out of nowhere, didn't quite fit. Yeah. But if you you know pulling back and looking at it, you would go, okay, this would have been led up to and built up to over the course of a whole season. Yep. Um, and and so I was willing to forgive it those things because of that context. Yeah. Yeah, and like all the performances across the board are are really well done, and even Mister World is David Crumholtz yep. who does not get enough. Crummy. Um, does not guy. get enough work. And we touched yeah, on Chuetel Ajifer earlier, who plays yeah. the. I, I will say villain because he is the antagonist yeah, he's of this the antagonist film. But he sure. is fascinating. He is absolutely very cerebral. Um, one of the most interesting villains, if you will, that you will come across. Um, and he, it's really this was the performance that made me go, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, um, he's he's by far like as much as you like all the other characters. It's like okay, I want to know more about yep. him. He is he is just interesting and he brings that character to life in such an interesting way you know it wouldn't surprise me if they brought back firefly on like i don't know one of those streaming networks like like i don't think it's reached the point now where all the conversations i've heard are about rebooting it if anything were to happen which i think would be an atrocity Um, at at this point i I think leave it dead we have i'm just good episodes we have a movie um let it be what it is and it it is something special Um, my number eight, moving on with the list here, uh, Cinderella Man, uh, mm-hmm. starring Russell Crowe and uh, Craig Bierko, um, and um, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, and um, it's a boxing movie. It is based on a true story about uh, Russell Crowe's character um, named Cinderella, who uh, <laughs> goes up against <laughs> the ball and goes up against a boxer. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to be a contender. And uh, he's going up against a guy who killed a man in the ring, and uh, played by Craig Barrico, named the Max Bear. Well, you're, you're, I mean, you're jumping ahead too. Like that's, that's the culmination of the film. It's really, it, it's about 
you know, the Depression era, you know, and Russell Crowe pays the boxer who's just trying to put food on the table and then he breaks his hand and he can't box anymore and he's kind of kicked out. You know, he's he's not allowed to box anymore. And, you know, it's it's kind of about his journey back. Sure. Yeah, it is. It's my number eight. I love that movie. Oh, it's it's it's, it's terrific. It's fantastic. It's got really good boxing scenes too. Um, of course, I think a more recent movie did a, the boxing scenes better. Um, I, you know what? If it's a boxing movie, I'll probably like it um, because they usually make for a good story, and this one was no exception. So there's that. Am I, I'm not my number seven. I'm just gonna move right along because we already talked about your number eights, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, Wedding Crashers. Uh, it was Owen Wilson and Vince Bond's um, kind of uh, their two roles to take and and go with the places that they wanted to go with it. And it's got Rachel McAdams. Hey! Shout out to Rachel McAdams. And if you're listening to this podcast, hi, hi, Rachel. <laughs> We're big fans. Uh, and so um, Wedding Crashers kind of um, uh, made it popular to crash weddings uh even though plenty of people did it before but now people do it all the time it's yeah it's kind of annoying um but uh i really hope owen wilson shows up to my wedding i'm just saying hey wow it's owen wilson (laughs) (laughs) and uh i really did like the dynamic between owen wilson's kind of laid back uh like yeah laid back uh southern comedy to um uh, vince vaughn's quick-witted uh very quick talking uh, kind of New Yorkish kind of uh, acting, and uh, it had a really good dynamic between the two. And the story itself was fun. It's got a very early Bradley Cooper in there um, before yeah. he was Bradley Cooper, uh, which was surprising because you see Bradley Cooper in this movie, and then in Wet Hot American Summer, he's got mega movie star written all over him from the get go. And it's amazing that it took his career that long. I think it was the hangover was his huge breakout role Yeah, to get really get the ball rolling on his career. Um, because he was great in this movie as the unlikable, um, fiance to Rachel McAdams. Uh, and, uh, it's a, it's a very charming movie. It's very, it's a lo- little long. Cause I think this was a Judd Apatow produced movie. And, uh, those have been notorious. Yeah, for I want to say it's like long. two hours long or even a little bit longer think, yeah, for a com- a bit. and for a comedy. Yes. Too. Yes, exactly. And, uh, yeah, Judd Apatow has, uh, I'm going to talk about another Judd Apatow movie in a little bit. Uh, but they are notorious for being a little too long, but also some of my favorite movies in the past, uh, or comedies in the past, uh, 15, 20 years. So, um, what do you got for number seven there, Kyle? Uh, my number seven is a documentary uh, called Murder Ball. Oh, it's wow. about the U.S. Uh, Paralympic, like the 2004 Paralympic uh, quad uh, rugby team. It's a uh, uh, paraplegic. They a so yeah, it's various forms of of quadriplegic, mm-hmm. and it's full contact wheelchair rugby. It is one of nice. the more vicious sports you can ever see. Um, it's been a while since I watched the documentary itself, right. but it was always fascinating. Like it's fascinating in way they told yeah. the story. Kind of fascinating to think of that all these quadriplegics and paraplegics are actually going to try to injure each other more. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, well, no, it's a it's a fantastic movie and just very well done. Yeah, as I would say, it tells a great story, plops you down in a world that I, when I watched it, was completely unfamiliar with. Yeah, um, and just 
grabs you and pulls you right in. Yeah, just the struggles that everybody goes through in that movie and the fact that it's a documentary. So it's like they're not sugarcoating any of this. It is a little misleading, though, because no murder. Watch the deleted scenes. Okay. (laughs) Plenty of murder there. Um, So my number seven seven was the the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice from Joe Wright. Um, I think this was... No zombies. No, no, we've been over this. No zombies. Um, and, you know, starred Kira Knightley, and probably my favorite performer in this was Donald Sutherland, who's hilarious. Um, and but, but the best part is just Joe Wright's direction, which is, you know, fantastic. This is early Wright. Um, I think Atonement is either the next year or the year after. And this is just him doing his thing. It's a, you know, ancient story. What is this, 200 years old? Taylor's oldest time. Yeah, yeah, not quite that old. No, um, yeah, it's like early. And 1800s, you know, yeah. it takes you know. Granted, it, it it cuts material out of the book because it has to, but it does about as good a job of a film adaptation of a single film adaptation um, of Pride and Prejudice that you could do. Um, were either of you fans? Uh, never saw it. Never read the book. Sorry. I mean, you need you need a college professor in your life lending you books. Well, where's Mr. Ferris? He wasn't a college professor. He was a high school, uh, high school and middle school. But yeah, where were you on that one, Mr. Ferris? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Pride and Prejudice. I don't have a whole lot to say. Um, just you know, delightful. Okay, right on. Uh, so, what's your number six then, Logan? Now, my number six is King Kong. Um, so this was this was the Lord of the Rings follow-up for Peter Jackson and company. Um, you know, it was you know an updating of. I I would dare say that this was you know the Marion C. Cooper King Kong. You know, so it had nothing to do with, you know, the Jeff Bridges movie that came out or any of the King Kong yeah. sequels or Son of Kong or anything like that. This was Peter Jackson's love letter to Marion C. Cooper's King Kong. Yeah, you know, the, the original. Yeah, the very first. Um, yeah, the original. And it's 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 a large movie. Um and very. I don't mean that as a pun. It's it's roughly three hours long. Yeah. Yep. Um and that was a sticking point for a lot of people. It, and you feel it on repeat viewings. I felt it the second or third time I watched the movie, but the first time I watched it, it flew by because it's interesting throughout. It's actiony throughout. There are cool, fun things happening the whole time, and it's just it's it's a movie made with a sense of fun and a sense of wonder. Did um, it take an hour, or like an hour of movie time to get to the island? It, close, yeah. close. Yeah, there was a lot of setup, uh, which I also think bothered some people. I didn't mind it because they were actually giving you good characters. Yeah, I liked yeah, they were Adrian Brody in this. Yeah. Well, um, and also Black. the the first the, the first one there you don't get to the island right away either. Right, like, right. right. Well, you watch this movie and you go, you know, if Cooper was alive today, this is the kind of movie he would make with today's effects and budget. Yeah, it, yeah. it feels like a fitting. It, it's I don't want to say homage because I feel like that lessens what he did. It's yeah. very much Peter Jackson's own movie. Yeah. Um, but it is also a fitting tribute, and it tells a good story, and it's it's beautiful and poignant and yeah. it has andy circus uh you know post golem pre-monkey uh, yeah. which you don't get to see <laughs> his a, face very yeah. often in the movies pre-monkey but he's playing a bigger monkey isn't that funny uh yeah also he, true also true because yeah. he, he is a character in the movie and he also does yeah. the motion capture for Kong. oh that's right he was a character in the movie yeah yep. yeah I he's lumpy that. yeah the cook yeah yeah um my number six real uh i don't have a whole lot to say about this one crash um it came out it won the oscar for best picture in 2005 i don't agree with that yeah i was um, gonna say like the the fact that 
crash is number six on your list yep doesn't appear on mine or doesn't Logan. appear i never on even saw it it came out it won the oscar and i was like eh, i don't there's nothing about that movie that made me go i have to see this there yeah. were some good performances um actually ludicrous was great um ryan philippe was really good um actually matt Dillon was was good too um but then with the other half, Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser, I didn't care a lick about them. That's kind of what got this whole thing started. Is that uh, is uh, Sandra Bullock? She experiences some sort of traumatic event where she gets oh she gets robbed uh, car side, and uh, I don't really care about that because her character was kind of unlikable to begin with, and Brendan Fraser's character was just kind of one dimensional. George, 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 George of the Jungle. jungle. Let's get a remake of that. Yes. And but again, at the same time, Ludacris is great. Uh, what's his name? Like uh, Theo. There was a not Theo from the Cosby Show, but there's a actor in there. Um, he was Ludacris's buddy in there. He was fantastic. Um, and it's about all these different storylines that intertwine um, from a um, car crash in the middle of the highway. And um, um, Matt Dillon's character, especially is portrayed as uh in one light and then towards the end of the movie you see him in a different light and so i appreciated that about it because um it's kind of a, he was kind of a complex character so were all of these characters all these characters are complex except for susan uh i was gonna say uh susan Sarandon. um what's your sandra name Bullock. sandra Bullock. thank you and brendan yeah. fraser who were just kind of dunces throughout the whole movie um but there's a good there's a reason why everybody does what they do in this movie and uh it goes for it it didn't deserve the oscar but it was still a decent movie but logan if you haven't seen it and you don't really have any ambition to you can skip it i appreciate that i don't think i was in any danger of watching it anytime soon but yeah it, danger it's, it's, it's funny I, I just i just looked up the the nominees for best picture yeah um what do we got we have so the ones the ones that will not appear on any of our lists because um, that actually just made me change uh, one. So Crash was New Year number six, um, but we also had Capote was nominated mm -hmm. for Best Picture, Capote. which is a good film, but like it didn't connect with me. He, uh, it was a little long. Uh, Brokeback Mountain uh, are the two that we won't be discussing because I have i added one and i know logan has another of the nominees later on his list and honestly so. brokeback mountain i feel terrible about this i was going to try to watch it um before we recorded this but i just kind of ran out of time and uh it uh has been described as one of the best movies well one of the best movies of the best 15 years um by multiple people and uh angley is probably one of his best movies uh brilliantly brilliantly acted by heath ledger and jake gyllenhaal um but again didn't watch it in time but i'm still gonna watch it and i'm probably gonna like it too so yeah so there's that so then uh we're on to my number six we it's, are it's actually one of the nominees that i just i just added Ooh. Uh, uh because i forgot that it came out and it's a fan it's a really good movie it's a uh, good night and good luck aha uh Cone brothers. Which was, uh not going no brothers. nope not uh, going brothers nope. uh george clooney's directorial debut that's what i meant george clooney um <laughs> Who has been in some Coen Brothers movies? He's been in yep. a lot of Coen exactly. Brothers movies, but yep. not. Uh, yeah, it's his directorial debut. Talk uh, going through the Edward R. Murrow 
oh uh joseph mccarthy era trials and who it's, wrote it i'm now i'm curious i'm gonna look this up while you talk yeah um uh, it's yeah it's just a a really well-made film um uh great performances all around i can never all i can always butcher uh the guy who played edward armoreau's last name it's david sudeikis not sudeikis <laughs> Um, Logan, say something. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm We're trying to remember if I've up. even seen this movie yeah. or not. Because uh, I feel like oh, I Jason watched Stratham? it. Statham? And no, uh, David, I, David. I have no memories of it. Because this movie yeah. came out right yeah. around the same time as another George Clooney movie, uh, Syriana. Yeah, which Syriana. I know I saw and didn't like. And yeah. I feel like I saw this one and it just made no impression. That, I can see that. that um, like, I, I really enjoyed it. It, um, and thought it was well done, and but I think that was mostly thanks to the performances. Right. So. Well, which movie did this uh, kick off your top ten then, uh, Kyle? Uh, this kicked off Waiting. Oh, <laughs> because, interesting. <laughs> well, we can because, still talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But Waiting's just a fun comedy. Is yeah. all it really was. It's got uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds in, yeah. in his heyday. So there's that. Yeah. Um, and John Francis Daly is one of his yeah. non-freaks and geeks roles. And Justin Long, yeah. the poor man's uh, Adam Brody. Yeah. Gets a bit last and then so. uh, my number five, I'll just briefly mention because I know it's higher on I think both of your lists. Nope, just on Gabe's list. Mm. Uh, and that is Batman Begins. Batman. So what's your number five logan i'll just so, briefly say my number five is walk the line so we can go yeah i just wanted to get that out of the way so nobody's in, no i think we should talk about it i think uh <laughs> <laughs> so my number five um is another forgotten unappreciated steven spielberg movie um and it's 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 interest, interesting i think with steven spielberg he made such great films at the start of his career that it has For actually sure. kind of overshadowed a lot of the good work he's done since. And yeah. he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been as consistent in the last decade. Um, he's made some duds. He's made some mediocre movies. Um, but he's made some terrific films that because of, you know, his early stuff like Jaws and Schindler's List and Jurassic Park doesn't get the due it deserves. E.T., e. you know, Close Encounters. Um, so last year I talked about The Terminal. This year it's Munich. Um, you know, the, the, the movie about the hostage crisis at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and it stars Eric Bana. And I think the interesting thing is actually the script. It is written by Tony Kushner, who is traditionally a playwright. Oh. And it has that feeling. It's a very intricate, very small feeling movie, considering it tells a big story. Um, and it, it's written, it's, it's Tony Kushner kind of reveling in the fact that he ha can, you know, have edits and cuts and go from two scenes and settings that really you could never cut back and forth between on the stage in a movie. And Steven Spielberg takes it and runs with it. It's one of the grittiest, most adult movies Spielberg has made, I think, in terms of content. Um, Isn't it one of his very few rated R films? Ah, uh, he's done a handful. I mean, yeah. Schindler's List Schindler's and List, Jaws yes. and yeah. Close um, Encounters. <laughs> yeah, Close Encounters. Hard R. Um, but but no, you're you're right. Spielberg has the reputation of being a a family filmmaker. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and by and large, he is. And this is a very adult film, both in terms of violence and sexuality. Um, but it is just terrific. Um, it's it's gripping. It is kind of harrowing. 
Um, Eric Bana is another actor who I, I feel like doesn't get enough yeah. good roles, and he's terrific in this. And it's, again, very forgotten. Uh, most people haven't even heard of it. So uh, look it up, and if you think it's your cup of tea, then you know, watch it. It's very good. It's actually talked about in one of my uh, upcoming favorite movies in uh, 2007. Ooh, teaser, yeah, teaser. teaser. Don't uh, quit listening to this podcast in the next two episodes. Please don't. Please never stop listening. Until we're done. Until we're done. <laughs> and then stop listening. Um, what do you got for number five? Four? Four. four. That was that was his number four. Right. So so five. my number four we're just gonna gloss over because you both have Thank it. Thank God. <laughs> um and that is, you know, Shane Black's wonderful, wonderful kiss kiss hey, bang bang. Okay. Um, so then, yeah, what's you? So then, my number four uh, was kind of the the major directorial debut of Ryan Johnson, and and that is Brick. Um, Sell me on Brick because I've heard that I should watch it, but I know nothing about the movie. Okay, so it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing a high schooler, or but it's very much he's basically playing a detective in a high okay. school setting. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend disappears, and he's played trying, by Zoe Deschanel. Not played by Zoe Deschanel. Okay. Played by uh, Amelia De Raven. Uh, oh, okay. who was in Lost and a couple other things. Oh yes, I yeah. know. I know who she is. Yep. Um, and he's going around investigating on like what could possibly have led to her disappearance. Uh, very, yeah. It's it's this noir like I was tone. Say, imagine imagine like a hard boiled Bruce Willis character, and then throw it into high school. Yeah, and it's 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 brilliant because of that. Yeah, because like you that. get like the high school drama dynamics, okay. but in this hard boiled detective style story, and yeah, it's a really interesting movie he, the you know the fact that it thankfully put ryan johnson kind of on the map and yep. on people's radar or um you know he's gonna direct a star wars movie now yeah which he is. is ridiculous uh but yeah and joseph and this was the first mature role for joseph gordon levitt it really post uh, third rock, third in, the rock in the sun <laughs> and angels in the outfield and all his you know kid roles and it's like oh wow this guy can actually yeah act like he has you know some chops behind him um but yeah it's just a fantastic movie it was kind of one of the those indie movies that i just kind of fell in love with so i just added it to my movies to see list because um logan kind of sold it with that hardened bruce willis in high school <laughs> nice uh my number five my number far um was uh uh i'm movie called Green Street Hooligans, starring Elijah Woods, post-Lord uh, of the Rings. I think this was actually his first movie after Lord of the... No! Um, Colonel Sunshine, last Colonel Sunshine, year. Colonel Sunshine was. Absolutely. And um, it also stars Charlie Hunnam. And um, I knew Charlie Hunnam back in the day from a show, Judd Apatow show, called uh, Undeclared. And uh, so I knew him uh, from that. And so uh, it, was, it was a really... It, it's not a very big movie. Um, it's a movie about... Um, soccer hooligans in london uh if i'm mem remembering correctly elijah woods is just kind of looking for a change of scenery in his life because he I think he gets fired at his job or something and so he, mo he moves in with his cousin or something in london and uh he's just kind of enveloped and engulfed in the whole uh um soccer world um i'm sorry they call it football over there and uh 
he becomes friends with the with the hooligans and uh, basically people who riot at soccer games, and uh, it, it's not a very like important. I don't, I don't want to say important movie. It's not going to change your life, is what I should say. Um, but it but it was a very good movie for what it was. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot of it, unfortunately, because it was so long ago that I watched it. But I just remember liking it a lot, and. Uh, don't remember who directed it or who wrote it. If you can, because I know you're the uh, director some, some expert. Some guy over there. and um, another some person. guy. It might have been a gal though. Might have been, but you know, Hollywood is notoriously sexist. So exactly, probably some guy. Exactly. All right. Well, that's all I can talk about for number for Green Street Hooligans. What do you got for number four, three? <laughs> I'm just going to talk about number three. I'm sick of this. Yeah, well, well, my number three was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which we talked about yes, earlier. We did. So yeah, what's your number three? The another Judd Apatow movie. This was officially his directorial debut, at least movie wise. The Forty Year Old Virgin, starring Steve Carell. Paul Rudd, uh, Romney Malco, um, and Seth Rogen. And um, this was before anybody knew who Seth Rogen was. He played, in my opinion, he played kind of this macho man kind of guy. And uh, you would never have thought that he would turn into the Seth Rogen that we yeah, all know. And so love not today. Seth Rogen. Exactly. He's not a macho guy at all, but he played a macho man character. And he played it well, very convincingly. But you know who else had a very convincing performance? is Steve Carell. He... Com- you completely bought that his character was a virgin at, at age 40 and um, it was he just knocked it out of the park he, he was just so awkward and uh, just his mannerisms and um, like you, you're actually convinced that Steve Carell is still a virgin after all these years um, very funny movie um, great script uh, even though a lot of it was improvised because that's Judd Apatow's um, style is that he um, he has these key scenes um, which are just kind of uh, um, good for the actor just to go on, think of the funniest joke they can think of. And uh, an example of that is when uh, Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd are playing video games in uh, in Steve Carell's apartment when they're waiting for Steve Carell to get ready. Um, they're just going back and forth about telling, you know how I know you're gay? Um, because you like Coldplay. Like that was just an example of all the different improv that they actually um, were allowed to do in this movie, which kind of made it a little bit of a longer movie. Um, yeah, wasn't that wasn't it the first because we're in the DVD D era now? Like that was the first like for the extra features to have mm-hmm. the linearama. Yeah. Uh, yep. Of just yeah. Okay, here's the premise. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And uh, speak, actually, speaking of extra or, uh, special features and a Judd Apatow movie, um, Knocked Up came out a couple years later. Has probably my favorite special feature of uh, of the last twenty years. Um, it is a fake mockumentary about how they found Seth Rogen to be the lead character in that movie, and they go through a whole bunch of different actors. Justin Long makes an appearance. Michael Sarah makes an appearance. Whole bunch of other uh, notable people, and uh, I think you can find it on YouTube. If there's one thing you should watch, it's. Uh, it, it's that one. Um, but going back to Four Year Old Virgin, um, it's a classic. Uh, check it out and uh, enjoy. I will have to watch that one since you lent it to me about two months ago. Yeah, I'll get around to it. But one of these watch days. It again. <laughs> um, so my number three um, is Kung Fu Hustle. 
And I don't know, Gabe, you haven't seen it, I don't believe. I believe you're correct. And you know, I've seen it. Yes, Kyle, I know you have. It's not on your list, though, is it's it? It's not on my list, but that's mostly because I forgot it came out that right. year. Right, and it's, it is it is hilarious. And again, it might have come out the year before in yeah. you know Asia yeah. um, and was released here in 2005. Um, so a little bit of a gray area there. Yeah. But it does, for kung fu movies, what Shaun of the Dead did for zombie movies. Yep. It is a comedy. It is over the top and raucous and hilarious. And has a lot of really good heart. It does um, have a lot it, of heart in it, it as it, well, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to give too much away because it's just delightful watching yeah. it the first time. Um, find it, track it down, watch it. Uh, it's good, either subtitled or dubbed, as I recall. Um, I believe Stephen Cho, or Chow, who, who plays the lead, does his own English dubbing, I if I'm not mistaken. So, yes. and Which is why normally I would say subtitles only, but he does a very good job with the yeah. dubbing. Um, so yeah, look it up, watch it. Hilarious. Yeah, it's super hilarious. And actually, if you're a kung fu fan, the fight scenes are actually really good. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're over the top. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's not comedy. making fun yeah. of kung fu movies. It is embracing them in a different way. It is a love letter to kung fu yeah. movies. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So then, what is your number two then? Logan? So my number two, and I, I forget, was this nominated for a, a Best Picture Os- Oscar this, this year? This was not, and it's... It, it's a crime, because yeah. it should have been. Um, History of Violence. Mm. Uh, this was a David Cronenberg movie, um, which is really interesting. He's known for horror, yeah. um, and this is him kind of branching out a little bit. It is also a really one of the first terrific post-Lord of the Rings roles for Viggo Mortensen. Besides um, Hidalgo besides Hidalgo yeah. and you know it, it's based on a graphic novel that it really doesn't have that much in common with um, the movie is much better than the graphic novel actually um, and it's it's about you know as I recall and it's been a while since I've seen it but a small town um, I want to say he's a short order cook but he works in a diner um, you know he has a family he has a life and then one day these people show up who you know claim to know him from a past life of crime um i won't spoil anything else for you um but vigo mortensen is terrific ed harris is terrific as one of the guys who shows up and is terrifying um and it's just it's it's a very he he is um and it's it's an incredibly graphic movie in every way um it has you know some very violent scenes as you know the title implies but it also uh, has some very graphic sexual scenes yeah. um, that also kind of plays into the whole violence motif. Um, but just a very, it's, it's it's kind of a hard movie to watch, but worth it if you think you can, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like not only v- Viggo Mortensen, who puts on a great performance, uh, Maria Bello is fantastic as, as, as his wife, who has no idea that like he has potentially has this past criminal life if and yeah there's it's kind of weird that it was not nominated for anything not even i just looked it up not even acting categories because i i keep joking that vigo mortensen the last few years has always been like the second best actor and he's had he's had roles that he probably should have won for um this being one of them eastern promises and a couple years being another yeah. So you mentioned uh, Maria Bello. Um, I think I'm getting her. No, I'm not getting confused with somebody else. Um, she's somebody that I wish um, was in more things. Yeah, because she, yeah, she was in in this. Um, she was the original bartender in Coyote Ugly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I recognize her for that. <laughs> and then the year after this, she's in Thank You for Smoking. Yeah. And is also movie. fantastic in that as well. Um, but then my number two. Uh, 
So now we get well, now we get in our fun comic book space pretty Yay. much for the rest of comic book sci-fi weirdness for the rest of this kind of um and that is Sin City. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh it is my I'd, I'd say my favorite Robert Rodriguez movie. I'd say, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. And as much as... Because it, it's a straight-up adaptation of the comics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a love letter to Frank Miller. You definitely, It definitely feels like you're watching a live adaptation of an actual comic book. Yep, In a good way, not in, in the Angley yeah, Hulk way. Yep, right. in a, yeah, in a good way. Like, you got... Like the vertical panels, yeah. Um, as Robert Rodriguez talks about in special features and stuff, the vertical panels he'd just do a pan up, up to show yeah. off everything, and then go into the scene. Had Clive Owen had a huge cast. Had Bruce huge yeah. cast because it's Clive Owen, Elijah Wood. Yeah, because uh, it's it's an anthology so of the creepy. of the of the first three or well the first. <laughs> third and fourth in right, city right it, books. It, it, it's a lot crammed in there yeah um and as i recall frank miller wasn't gonna let the movie happen robert rodriguez had to you know pull him in and show him hey here's what we can do they did they did a shooting test yep to yeah. show him hey we can make it look the way it should look yeah before he miller did, would he did what's actually the opening scene with um josh hartnett and yeah. jamie king and um with that that silhouette yep. and the yep. the yeah. black all black and he's like no this is how we can do it we can I make can it do, work we and... can make it work because like i was saying like this is what rodriguez pretty much from spy kids 2 was like i want to do sin city yeah and i want to do it right so hey look the studio is giving me all these sequels i'm gonna test out stuff and you know, he brought in and again this was kind of breaking some rules too was getting frank miller to direct some stuff yeah he, left, he was not a guild member yeah, he left uh, robert member. rodriguez left the dga so that because, frank miller could yep. help you know could could co-direct and then quentin tarantino yeah, also came on board yep. to yeah, direct a, a segment of the film yep. um so my biggest disappointment surrounding sin city is that it took so long to make a sequel that was then not good yeah well and i i i want to say it was the guys at ifanboy that pointed out uh this little thing it's like sin city between the first and the and the sequel there were so many other good comic book movies Mm -hmm. that came out that sin city 2 should have raised the level like should have been a higher level movie than it was but it was just about the same if not a little worse well i think i think i think that was the biggest problem i I don't think it was as good i don't think it told the story as well i think i think robert rodriguez caught lightning in a bottle and sin city was a better movie than he is a director Mm -hmm. um but they they needed to strike while the iron was hot yeah like they needed sin city 2 right on the heels of the first one yeah and the studios hemmed and hawed for so long that you're right the magic went away other films came out um and it yeah i think everybody was ready for sin city 2 two years down the road yeah and instead, it was what ten? Yeah, because it just 11? came out yeah. last year, or the year before. So it, yeah, was, it was it was a long time, and nobody cared anymore. Yeah. Uh, especially since it was not very good. Yeah. Um, yeah well, was... and I think also part of that was the fact that he he was able to take for for Sin City itself was able to take the best parts of those three stories and right, make them right. more an anthology and cut back and forth. And I think a lot of the best parts of the first movie. Yeah, we're just not even represented in the second movie, both because certain actors had died who were key in the first yep. movie. Yeah. Um, Michael Clark Duncan, Brittany Murphy were, were had both passed away yep. um, in the intervening time. And then 
let's face it, Jessica Alba was one of the weakest parts. She's not that good of an actor. And then plays a big role. Yeah, in... she plays a much bigger role. And then instead of of Clive Owen... Well, th- this was actually an on-par change. But instead of Clive Owen, you get um, Josh... Or, uh, no, not... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, not... <laughs> Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, yes. Which I wouldn't... I don't know. I don't know about on par. Clive Owen is underappreciated. I think, uh, yes, that's true. But, yeah, and then what is uh, your number two game? Uh, speaking of comic book movies, it's Batman Begins, and uh, it, it was the start of the Dark Knight trilogy, and it was um, my first real introduction to Christopher Nolan because I this is actually when I first started knowing who he was uh, and was what he came when everybody do. started knowing who yeah, he was this even was though he came out with like a few tenfold. movies before this um, but yeah it, what, uh, he just kind of took the Batman franchise and did what he thought was right and uh, he really makes it his own and uh, knocks it out of the park it's not the best of the trilogy obviously the Dark Knight was the best by far but still this is a really good movie well it was, it was interesting and you know it didn't make my top 10 but nobody loves Christopher Nolan as much as I do yeah um, which I get teased for a lot um, yep. not sure why because he's terrific yeah, well. but Batman Begins was interesting because I, I feel like the studio had not really let go of it yet granted they were they were coming off you know the terrible Joel Schumacher movies and you know they needed something new and something fresh but they hadn't quite said here make what you want to make yeah. So you, yeah. you still get kind of some of that campiness in it uh, mixed in with, you know, the gritty reality that he brings in. And it's not until you get to the second movie that he just gets to do whatever he wants. And it is you know, the best superhero yeah. film of all time. For sure. Um, and Batman Begins still has some of those flaws. I love it. It is fantastic. And it, mm-hmm. it paved the way. Um, but you still kind of get that feeling that, uh, you know, still some the flaws. studio had some hands on it. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the uh, introduction to Batman, how he's just training out in the, um, I don't know, Himalayas or whatever. Um, he's a prisoner at one point. And you just kind of see his journey about how he becomes the Batman. And uh, it, you, Christian Bale brilliantly uh, portrayed the Batman. I, did, I thought the voice was a little cheesy, but that gets worse as the series goes on, And unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, and he, he... I get where they were going with it. Like, he needed to disguise his voice in some way. Yeah. Hey, and they didn't want to do a weird mechanical, like, oh, Batfleck. Yeah. And so, but I will say, um, last year we talked about villains with Doc Ock. Uh, I thought Ra's al Ghul was also, or Ra's al Ghul for your um, other people, um, was a great villain. I thought Agreed. they set him up beautifully. I well, thought that, that was purpose- a hallmark of his whole franchise. All three yeah. movies, mm-hmm. the villains were interesting yes. and yep. intricate. And- yes. I thought the very ending scene with the uh, Joker card was a brilliant uh, kind of uh, setup to the next movie because yeah. it just got everybody excited, mm-hmm. and that is how you market a sequel. And well, they... I think he did something really smart too, which is he didn't make the first movie a Joker movie right. or a Riddler movie or or you know one of the classic Batman villains. He used you know Ra's al Ghul, who was terrific and fantastic and yep. interesting, because the first movie unlike the following two really was so about Batman and Bruce Wayne yep. and the thing about the sequels and I love them and they're tremendous is they're more about the villain I would say or, or the city yeah. or yeah, other characters sure. than they are about Batman slash Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah, and, and Ra's al Ghul is a good villain for that because oh, he he's such a reflection of Batman yeah. and, and trying to and he's, know, even in the comics make Batman better 
or and he's like he's Batman's um, mentor and all that and so like he knows um, Bruce Wayne um, inside and out so that's what makes him a great villain also you know what what motivates him but also that kind of carries into the sequel the Joker is in my opinion the best villain of all time because he he's so unpredictable he's an agent of chaos he's not doing this to get money He's doing this just to cause chaos, and he's Batman's perfect um, nemesis because they just they balance each other out, yeah. and they yeah. they need each other um, to survive basically. Even though that's kind of ridiculous uh, of a premise to think about, but honestly, that's what makes Joker such a great villain. Mm-hmm. But also, Ra's al Ghul was yeah, and actually, that that ending is the exact same ending. Speaking of Frank Miller, mm-hmm. as uh, Frank Miller's Batman Year One mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. him and Commissioner Gordon talking. And there were a lot top. of fingerprints of that. Yeah, and yeah, there's over. a lot. Um, is talking on the rooftop next to the bat signal, and then oh, yes. talking about oh, I've got uh, this weird guy. Like I think he's right up your alley. Mm-hmm. He he leaves this at every crime. Leaves scene. the calling card. Um, oh man, yeah. Which Oof. feels so much like a lead-in, but really, Christopher Nolan went into each movie only planning to make that movie yep. and then address yeah. a sequel afterwards. So it was, it was, it was a throwaway. Yeah, it was part of Batman Begins, not a lead-in to the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, like I said, it was, it was more part of the fact that, like, we're doing kind of an adaptation of Batman Year right. One. Here's, yeah. here's how Batman Year End One <laughs> ended, and then hey, if the studio wants to pick up from there, go for right. it. So. Yeah. Uh, but then, Logan, what is your number one? So my number one is an odd one, and almost nobody has seen this movie. Um, I almost missed it because I was looking at box office receipts for the year to figure okay. out what my top movies were, and this made maybe uh, $400,000. I don't yeah, know what it, it made. Like it, it, was, it, was, it didn't make anything. It didn't get a release. It's not its fault. Yeah. Um, but Mirror Mask. Um, and Mirror Mask is, is a fantasy movie. Um, I guess maybe urban fantasy you would call it. It's fantasy in the same way as Alice in Wonderland. It's set in the here and the now and then also set in another sort of parallel world. Um, and it is it has an interesting pedigree. So it's written um, by Neil Gaiman, who I'm sure you both know. Yeah. Um, terrific novelist, comic writer, film writer. Uh, he, he dabbles in everything. He's written yeah. some good songs, some poetry. Um, the, the man literally does everything. Yeah, he does everything. And this was this was one of the first films he wrote because uh, this was before Beowulf, which he also scripted. Um, and so he wrote this movie, and then it's directed by his friend Dave McKean. And Dave okay. McKean is best known as a painter slash illustrator. Oh, yeah, um, he did, does yeah, psychedelic yeah. mask work. Yeah, Dave McKean, um, um, he did all of the covers for Sandman. Yep, did all the ah, classic Sandman yeah. covers. Um, and, you know, he's, so, yeah, he's, he's worked with Gaiman before, and he directs this film. And, you know, it's very much in his style okay. visually. Um, you know, his art is a strong influence on the way this film looks. And it's kind of an Alice in Wonderland. You know, it's about a young girl who, you know, ends up in an, in another reality that parallels her own. Um, you know, and there's, there's you know, evil that has to be beat in a crisis. But it's really, it's a small personal movie. It is very funny. Um, it has, while being kind of unsettling, you know, just from the visual effects and, and whatnot, it has just some really good you know funny moments um i don't want to get into it too much because again a lot of the delight of this movie is seeing it the first time seeing where it takes you and how it unfolds um it probably isn't you know or shouldn't be my favorite film of the year um i put it so high just because i i like to impress on people that they should look this movie up um because it's one of the best movies that nobody has seen okay i might dig that um another movie that uh is on 
me and Kyle's number one yep. is a movie that uh, actually not a lot of people have seen. Is Kiss but they Kiss, should. Kiss, but they kiss should. Bang kiss, Bang. Kiss, bang Bang. Um, it is. Uh, I'm just gonna briefly talk about it because I know Kyle has uh, can can talk about it more, um, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is Ryan. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. Robert Downey Jr.'s kind of first role back into existence here before Iron Man, and it is a very uh, uh let's say chubby version of Val Kilmer. Um, Actually, he he actually lost weight for this. Oh God! Role, actually, <laughs> oh, God. um, because well, it was right after Alexander. Okay, um, okay. Which he put on a lot of weight, and then he kind of. Oh, that's why he put on weight. Okay. Yeah, and then he kind of he tr- he slimmed down to look more GQ. Yeah, okay, okay. And okay. in the suit, yeah. And I and I uh, speaking of Val Kilmer, I loved his character. Um, I can't remember his name. Gay Perry. Gay Perry. There we go. Yeah. And uh, basically the. What I love about this movie, this is um, uh, my my boy Shane Black, uh, and uh, it is is quintessential Shane Black because it's uh, it's a crime caper, um, but it is set in Christmas, set at Christmas, <laughs> and it is all about the banter between the these two characters, the two main characters, and also the banter between Robert Downey Jr. and Michelle, Michelle uh, Monaghan, Monaghan yeah. um, because she also plays a great character. And there are also other good characters in this, but uh, not as big as those three. And uh, I, it's, it's so, the dialogue is so quick, but I love Shane Black's dialogue, and it just inspires me. It is Shane me. Black at, at his best. Like, the yes. only Shane Black movie that I would say is better is Lethal Weapon. I would say yeah. The Nice Guys. Um, but I, I would also just put Leith Weapon up there as well. Um, yeah, but, well, this was his directorial debut, mm-hmm. Shane Black's directorial debut. And, yeah, the fact that I think he'd had this this movie in his back pocket for a while. And, oh, sure. Like, he'd probably had the script, at least in some form, and then and was just waiting. It's like, no, I think if anybody's going to bring this to life, it has to be me. Yeah, he, um, I'm glad he which did. is it's a ballsy move, and I'm glad he did it because yeah, the reason I can talk about it for a long time is it's I've said many times it's my favorite film. Yeah, so of uh, all time, folks. Yeah. Um. Well, because I I love old school like detective noir films mm-hmm. films and film noir and it's a love letter to those for sure um because if uh people don't know all the all the chapter titles are actually title of titles of raymond chandler that's right. books that's right, books yeah. or short story collections in the simple art of Mur- murder um yeah just fantastic fun dialogue uh and the the chemistry between robert downey jr and and Val Kilmer and Michelle Monaghan, all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish Michelle Monaghan would do more. I honestly wish Val Kilmer would do more based I, off of this performance. <laughs> he's so funny in this movie. He's he's very funny, but you can tell like he's a very eclectic and eccentric actor. Very much um, so. I've known that for a long time. So much so that. Uh, if you have the DVD and listen to the DVD commentary, it's Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. doing regular commentary, and Val Kilmer is just doing shtick the entire time. <laughs> and it's like, shut up. I want to hear these two talk about this movie. <laughs> Why are you awesome. annoying everyone? Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. It's, like my, it's my favorite movie. So Correct me if I'm wrong. The next... Um 
I, I probably am wrong. The next uh, directing movie that Shane Black did was The Nice Guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is probably my top 50 of all time. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's just that I saw Nice Guys first. Yeah, you saw. Yeah, because because when exactly. when when we took you to yeah. Nice Guys, you kept I was saying, like, "Yep, you've got to watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang." So I think it was that like, literally night. that night. Yeah, yep. We watched the Nice Guys. Um, I don't know one one crazy summer day, and yeah. uh, and then we got home, and uh, and then we started watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it was the best movie day I've had in a yeah. long time. <laughs> Because I got to see two instant classic movies by my new, one of my top new favorite uh, writer-directors of all time. And just Shane Black's just oh. scripts just So no, he, that wasn't his yeah, next, because there's the Iron Man 3. Iron Man oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Because, that's because, right. Because like, I, I always keep pointing this out to people. And I've said this, because this was back when I was working at, the video, at a video store. Uh, you can watch basically the first five minutes of this movie... And if you don't laugh at the end of the opening scene, shut it off because you're not going to like this movie if you don't get the, if you don't laugh at the end of this scene cuz the the opening scene is a child magician yes, cutting off yes. cutting a girl in <laughs> half with a chainsaw. The chainsaw gets stuck. She's screaming to high heavens. <laughs> Isn't there blood everywhere too? Or no, there's no blood, but it's okay. just the 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 um the shards from the oh casket sure 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 yeah. thing. So a guy comes in, jumps up on stage, busts open the lock, lifts open the trunk to find out she's, she's just she's curled on the one side, <laughs> and then just looks up at him and is like, "I'm going to be an actress." <laughs> and then the guy just smacks her as the opening credits roll, and it's like, yeah, if you don't oh. like that. You're gonna hate the tone oh, of this movie. I need movie. to rewatch it. I need to rewatch it so <laughs> yep, badly. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's it's my favorite movie. So and rightfully so. It's my favorite movie of 2005. And this has been another recording of Be Kind Rewind. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, not on SoundCloud, but on iTunes, Stitcher, and all other platforms. Carrier Anything. Pigeon, MySpace, too expensive. Uface. Oh yeah, pay for that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot, Chance the Rapper. Follow me on Twitter at Gabrino. Follow me on Snapchat at Gabrino. Follow him spe- in real life. He works at. But Gabrino's spelled differently. But <gasps> I'm going to let you figure that out how to spell which one. Ooh, it's a mystery. Uh, where can he find you, Logan? We're doing plugs now. Well, I'm over on the sofa. And, okay. uh, hey, you okay. know. Looks pretty comfy. Yeah, yeah, you can find me here. And then Logan. Uh, and then Kyle. Uh, knockedoutentertainment.com. Knocked out films on Instagram and Twitter. What up? All right, we'll see you next year.